Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. Today's program is brought to you by Yetter Manufacturing. I'd like to take a moment to thank Yetter Manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode. With a tradition of providing farmers solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Today, I'd like to introduce John McCauley, a grower from Groveland, New York. John will be giving us a sneak peek of his upcoming presentation at the 2021 National Cover Crop Summit. Welcome to the podcast, John. Hello there. Let's go ahead and and dive right in. Give us a, a basic overview of your farm. How many acres, what types of crops you grow, that type of thing. So we farm 1,100 acres in uh, Grove, New York. We grow corn, soybeans, wheat, alfalfa, and then uh, we grow some, a little bit of cereal, rye, and oats for just for cover crop use. So how long have you been farming? Uh, so we've been farming since 1936, and I'm the fourth generation on Macaulay Farms LLC. Very good. Talk a little bit about um, how many acres you have of each crop. So we have about 300 acres of uh, corn, 300 acres of soybeans, 200 acres of wheat, uh, 160 of alfalfa, 33 acres of rye. And then on a given year, we can have anywhere from uh, zero to maybe 10 acres of oats. Okay. Talk a little bit about uh, the livestock that you have on your farm. So we have... Um, some beef animals. We got out of the dairy farming in 2017 and uh, we always had a little small beef herd. We decided to uh, get out and go a little bit bigger into the beef herd and now we're uh, we got about 80 uh, mama cows there and we do a cow calf operation and once the calves hit about 400 pounds we uh, ship them off to market to be uh, set off to be uh, uh, fed out and raised up the fats. Okay. Um, which, what breed of mama cows do you all have? So we have a mix of Angus and uh, Hereford. And then how many cow calf mama pairs do you have? Right around 80, 80. Okay. Very good. How long have you been using cover crops then? So we started using cover crops back in 2012 and we started off with just sort of a small small variety of cover crops of Austrian winter peas, oats, and radishes. And then we've since expanded that into a more of a multi-species blend with a purpose. What motivated you back in 2012 to get started using covers? So I was looking for the next key to go along with my no-till program that we're using. We got into no-till in 2009 and it was working really good there's some little piece that was sort of missing. Like we were having a lot of problems with dandelions. They were germinating the same time that started planting their corn crop. 
And those little fine little hairs off the dandelions were getting sucked up into our vacuum meters and plugging those up. So I was trying to look at what can I do to get that so I could still plant in there green and I wouldn't have to alleviate some of that problem. Also, and I was looking at sort of the, I was getting some erosion on my fields, which I really didn't notice before because we were just going in there and disking and, you know, doing conventional tillage. And it was sort of alleviating those washout spots. And we did fix some of them. But as you start doing no to I was starting to open my eyes more of, hey, this spot, you know, it's, it's getting worse. So we need to really do something about it. Okay. Talk a little bit about how you went about transitioning into using cover crops. How long did that full transition take? And what challenges did you run into along the way? So I guess the transition period there, um, we started off with uh, just this three-way blend. And it was doing something. We were able to plant into a green, but we really didn't know what we were actually planting them for. I mean, I was looking, we were just putting a cover crop out there and, you know, we're hoping, we knew it was going to grow and we could plant into it, but what was the actual purpose of us doing this? So then we tried to do more of a multi-species blend of putting radishes in there for, uh, do some more tillage, purple top turnips to help with tillage, biological tillage that is, um, some buckwheat to scavenge some phosphorus. Hairy vetch to produce some nitrogen, Austrian winter peas to give us some nitrogen, um, cereal rye to just help suppress some of the weeds that were down below, and pearl millet to get some nitrogen also, crimson clover for a little bit of nitrogen, a bunch of different kinds, just as sort of a like a you're planting a forest out there, and each little part does its own little part of that forest. So if you don't have one that survives, you got 10 others to take its spot. I like that phrase that you use when you say cover crops with a purpose. What would you say is your primary goal or purpose in using cover crops? So I guess our our goal and our purpose would be to, we want to be able to um, suppress weeds, get some sort of, I call it free nitrogen, and for a growing cash crop and just give the soil some protection if we get a harsh rain event or a you know a mild winter that you know is hurting the little biologicals and all the worms and stuff underneath just give them some cover and protection so we can all work in synergy together yeah so then when do you see those cover crop mixes kind of give me an idea of what that schedule looks like for your cover crops so we put a lot of stuff behind wheat when we get it off or our cereal rye. That's when we can do our main mix of that 11-way mix. Um, just because you get that extra growing season and there's a good wheat market where we're at. So that really helps get that cover crop in and get it established. Where when we get our corn and soybeans off, it's late. And we still get a cereal rye cover crop in. And sometimes, you know, if we get a mild winter, It'll start, it'll germinate, but it just takes a while for it to get going. And we plant, we planted cereal rye even in, we planted it into December, January. If the conditions are right, we're out there planting it. We've done some frost seeding of cereal rye and wheat in late February, early March, and just get a little bit of a growth. It won't grow all that tall, maybe 
oh, five to six inches tall, but at least there's, there's something in there growing. And now we've started to get a little bit bigger of equipment so we can follow the combine after corn or soybean harvest with the 30 foot air drill and just get it right in there, right behind it. So we only got one guy um, falling right behind the combine and he's able to keep right up and we can keep on moving along with harvest. Okay. So when do you all do wheat harvest and then follow up with that cover crop planting immediately after that? Is that late July, early August or, or so, some other time? So we're doing our wheat harvest right around July 7th. And then the ground sort of sits a little bit idle there. The weeds will start to grow and I'll go back in there and spray them down and we'll probably start planting cover crops right around August 7th. Just to give those little extra weeds there just a chance to get up and get growing so that we can knock them right out. So we got more of a success rate with our cover crops than having to compete right off the bat. Sure. What do you use then to uh, spray those weeds down? So we use uh, Roundup Power Max, um, 2,4-D ester, um, a little bit of ammonia sulfate, and then uh, um, a, a sort of a, it's like an oil, oily mixture. They, it's LI-700 is what it actually is, but we'll do that about two weeks before we go in there and start planting our cover crop. And then... Are you applying that yourself or do you hire that out or what type of equipment is being used to, to spray that? So we, we spray ourselves and uh, I use a 854 rogator with uh, 90 foot booms on it. And we're putting down about 15 gallons a acre. So talk a little bit about where you get your cover crop seed from. What, uh, what seed dealership or where do you get the, the seed from? So we get all of our seed from a, a local guy there, um, Chad Branton there, Branton Farms. And um, what's nice about working with him is he's sort of on the same, even though he's selling the seed also, but he's on that same level as me as, you know, we're trying to make this no-till cover crops and everything work. So during the year there, we'll head off ideas along with him and a couple other farmers that are right around us there. And, you know, if we got a problem there, you know, we're not afraid to call each other up and, you know, discuss things and, you know, see what each other's doing, you know, for the next step in this journey. That sounds really great having other growers that you can bounce ideas off of. Um, so you mentioned that you're following right behind the combine to seed uh, the covers. Are you, do you use a drill to seed your covers or um, what method are you using and, and what equipment? So right now we're using a, a John Deere 1590 uh, no-till drill, but we just upgraded there this last year to a 30 foot so we can cover more acres in less amount of time. If we can't get, since that drill is only 15 foot, it seems like it took forever to get across anything. So I also bought a Vicon three-point spreader. And if I can't get there fast enough with that drill, we'll dump the rye in that and wheat. And we'll go out there and just broadcast it either the day of harvesting or the day after. That way there, the as the corn crop and the soybeans are just starting to level back out, back onto the ground, that cover crop 
seeds, they seem to get underneath of that debris and they actually get seed to soil contact with that, pushing them sort of down into the soil. It's not the best way, probably the drill is the best way, but just trying to get over things faster, you gotta do what you gotta do to get uh, the cover crop planted if that's what your goal is in mind. Definitely. So uh, what tractor do you use to pull that drill? So right now we're using a John Deere 4450 um, for the 1590 grain drill. But when we when we get our new drill here, we're going to be using the John Deere 8300, which is about a 200 horsepower tractor. Okay. And then uh, typically what seeding rate do you use when you're drilling? Um, and is that different than the broadcasting rate that you use? Are you talking about the summertime or in the fall or both? Let's talk about both. Yeah. Okay. So in the summertime there, for the 11 way cover crop mix, we're using about, I think it's 47 pounds per acre of that mix. And then during the fall time there, we're probably right around anywhere from 90 to uh, probably about 90 to 120 pounds the acre of uh, cereal, rye, and wheat just to get um, a good establishment of it. So we, we're going out there and we're actually growing something to um, suppress a lot more weeds. We found out if we we're only going with a bushel of the acre, it's sort of hard to get enough coverage there and you're going to lose some if you're broadcasting it. And even if, you know, if we get a light or uh, if we get a light fall where the weather is not all that bad, then we do pretty good. But if you get sort of that hard freeze there, it'll start to heave some of that cereal rye. And we've had it push it right up out of the ground. So I like to get more out there. That way I got a backup plan just in case something like that does happen. Definitely. So you mentioned that you, you do have cereal rye growing in the spring. Are you then planting cash crops into that green cereal rye? Yes. Yeah, we're planting right, right into that without killing it off first. We'll plant green into it. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor. With a tradition of providing farmers solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at getterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. And now back to the podcast. How long have you been planting green and, and how did you get started doing that? It sort of seemed like as soon as we got right into no-till in 2009, we just decided that we were going to go out there and plant into whatever we had. And there was always grasses and stuff growing and dandelions and all sorts of weeds. And I don't know, it just sort of kept the motivation going to, you know, let's grow something bigger next year. You know, let's make it more of a challenge, I guess. And as we kept on getting more and more challenging, planting into it, well, we also found out that these cover crops weren't getting tall enough to actually lay down flat. They're sort of blocking our growing cash crop, especially our corn when that started coming out of the ground there. It was yellow and very spindly. 
So then we decided that we needed to start growing a taller cash crop. And that also amped us to get into roller crimping to plant into that grain. Okay. So then uh, typically when in the spring are you planting green into those cover crops? So we're planting green probably right around the end of April, uh, beginning of May. Even if some of the cover crops there aren't exactly to the right height to lay down flat, there's always something else in there that'll keep them down and lay them down flat. So we always can go in there. It seems like we're going in there when everybody else is planting around us, we're about the same time they are. So we're around the end of April, uh, beginning of May. Okay. And talk a little bit about the challenges you maybe have had planting green. I know you mentioned that at first it seemed like the the corn was a little uh, spindly to come up and, and challenges with laying down the cover crop, but anything else that uh, has been a challenge with planting green? So on a dry year, that's, that's been sort of a scary time there. Um, Cause the cover crop there with that growing, and I think with us being so new at this cover crops, we don't have the water holding capacity that somebody else would that's been doing cover crops for 20 years or so. They would have that little bit of a water bank built up. So we've been deprived of moisture on some of the uh, cash crops planting into a green where I said to myself, you know, boy, I wish I would have went out there and spread it early. But even though, I don't know, every year it seems like we still do all right just going out there and planting into a green. And we also found out that before when we were killing it off early, we get a lot of hairpinning going on. And that was hard to get your uh, seed to soil contact with it just sitting up on there on a piece of wheat straw or something like that. So planting into a green there, it sort of alleviates that, it keeps everything green and you're able to cut through those roots with nice sharp blades and get the seed exactly where you need to have it. Okay. You've mentioned that you include cover crops, corn, and wheat in your crop rotation. Do you ever work soybeans into that rotation or any other types of crops? So the soybeans, they always fall right behind um, a cereal rye cover crop. So our, our cropping rotation, I guess I'll go into that a little bit. So we'll plant corn, and then once we get that corn, off, we'll do a cereal rye cover crop. Then we put soybeans in. We follow soybeans with either wheat or cereal rye. And then once we get those off, we'll plant an 11 way cover crop mix and we'll start back that rotation all over again. And then we do have some alfalfa there. We'll either no till that in behind some wheat or we'll also uh, plant corn to that in the springtime. So, in, in one calendar year, you really have all three of those cash crops, corn, soybeans, and wheat, correct? Yes, yep, okay. correct. Uh, so we just tried to stay diverse with the market. Okay. So that way we don't have all of our eggs in one basket. Sure. Are there any other types of cash crops that you have considered adding to the rotation? We've tried, we've tried a couple different things there. We've tried some uh, hemp, uh, last year we had the opportunity to grow some hemp. We tried that. There's still not the, quite the market for it. So I don't know how that one's going to look in the future, if we're going to get a market around here for it or not. 
Okay. So um, do you apply any fertilizer to the cover crop or cash crop? So on the cash crop there, we do apply uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and uh, some micronutrients, sulfur, boron, manganese, and uh, zinc. And then we'll come back with a micro pack on uh, quite a bit of that. But we're trying on the cover crop side of things, we're not applying anything on those. I thought about maybe applying something to them just to get something there, but I'm worried that's going to sort of defeat the purpose of actually going in there and um, doing the cover crops are supposed to, you know, be doing something for me. I don't want to supply stuff to them to get them to grow. And they seem like they're all working in synergy with each other. Like you never see the uh, oats coming out of that mix and being starved for nitrogen because they're either grabbing it from the Austrian winter peas or crimson clover, something like that. And the same with the cereal rye that's in that mix. They're always just grabbing nutrients from something else. Sure. So um, how do you determine how much of each of those uh, nutrients to apply? Um, so we have sort of our basic program that we use every year. And then we will go back in there and I do uh, soil testing. And that gives us a sort of a broad spectrum of what the exactly field's doing. Um, we haven't gotten into grid sampling yet. And then I'll pull some uh, PNT tests before we go in there and side dress to see what that looks like. And then we'll pull some more tissue samples and look at those and see if those are exactly where they need to be for levels. Those are sort of a hard, I don't know, I've, I've only started doing that here probably I don't know, three years, I guess. And just looking at those samples are sort of hard to tell where the crop needs to be at. But every year, it seems like we're hitting our yield goals of where we wanted to be for that year without having to apply a lot of extra fertilizer. Okay. Talk a little bit about how you're applying that fertilizer then. So we're either applying it by uh, broadcast spreading it before we go in there and plant our cash crop. After, so once we roll down the cover crop there, we'll go in there, we'll spread on, and then we'll... Uh, and then we'll go in there and plant it green. And then we'll, uh, as we're with the corn planter and that, we're also putting down nutrients with that. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that you use roller crimping as your method for terminating cover crops. How did you get into roller crimping? So as we were starting to grow these weed suppressors of cover crops with the taller cover crops, that corn was just coming out of there very spindly looking and yellow and so we knew we were lacking the sunlight of it so i was looking for that next step to get so we can lay that cover crop down flat so the roller crimper sort of came in at right after that okay and what type of roller crimper do you use so we have a 15 foot inj roller crimper with the chevron pattern and for the most part We'll be running, well, you won't put any, it's got the capability of putting water in it, but we don't really need that extra water in there to crimp the cover crop because it always seems like it's at the right point when we're going in there and crimping it down. So when is that right point when you're going in to crimp it before, before you plant green usually? 
So I sort of look at a couple different things. Like the reason we sort of got Harry Vetch in our big cover crop mix is because the cereal rye was never hitting anthesis stage when we needed it to be hitting anthesis stage to lay that actually flat. So what's great about the Harry Vetch is that it's a very spindly plant and it was grabbing onto that cereal rye there and it holds it down along with the um, Austrian winter peas there. They're all sort of grabbing, grabbing it and they'll just lay it right flat and keep it down. And once that corn planter comes right over top of what's been crimped, it gives it like that extra oomph to get it laid flat. And a lot of times it'll never come back up. So it's really helped us speed up the planting process and get us away from waiting to for that cover crop to be ready to get out there and plant. So with your cow-calf operation, have you tried grazing the cover crops? So I've mentioned it a couple of times to my dad and my brother about doing that. And they say we took down the fences so we can, you know, make bigger fields and we're probably not going to ever put them back up. So that's been sort of an uphill battle to see. I'd like to eventually get into doing that, but it seems like we run out of time during the day to go out there and actually do it and to make sure we did it right. Sure. Have you considered, uh, you know, harvesting the cover crops to use as forage instead? So a couple of the uh, bigger dairies around us there, they'll drive by my cover crop and they'll ask, hey, what do you think about us going in there and chopping that down there? Especially on a year like this last year when they were sort of short of feed. And they say, you know, we'll bring in their manure back in there. But I don't know, the purpose of me growing cover crops is really just for trying to build up organic matter and suppress the weeds down. And it seems like that, you know, I'm sort of defeating that purpose by running um, choppers and trucks on these fields because I'm trying to keep them so they're uh, nice and flat and not have a lot of compaction going on them at the wrong times of the year. So we've always sort of stayed away from that just because of compaction issues. Okay, that makes sense. Well, John, that's all the time that we have for today. We really appreciate you joining us on the Cover Crop Strategies podcast. Once again, I want to thank Yetter Manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode. Find solutions to your challenges today at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. For those listening out there, be sure to look for other information about our upcoming Cover Crop Summit. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.